Hey everybody, Luke McElroy from Mess Performance Society. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Joined again with Nick Jane Koskis. Today we're going to uh, answer another question that came through the Mets Mastermind. Nick, can you just roll through the question, please? Yeah, so we had a really good question um, about VO2 style intervals or, or working up near VO2 max uh, specifically and, and talking about um, if there's a, a drop-off in speed or performance during those VO2 intervals, but heart rate's still staying in that that correct range up near where VO2 max would normally be. Um, why should we stop the interval? And the, and the follow-up to that is, are you still getting are you still getting the same benefit if you were to continue the interval or to stop the interval? Um, mainly talking around, like in the case of, we, we spoke about offline before, like the example of if you do a three-minute VO2 interval um, at 95% of your VO2 max, you, you, at two and a half minutes, you start losing speed, you really start to fatigue potentially. Why should we stop it there rather than just push to the end of the three minutes anyway? Um, are we still going to get a same benefit out of that session is really where he's heading. So do you want to just talk through the, the reason why we would stop the interval early and why we go off maybe pace rather than, rather than heart rate? Yeah, so I mean, you, you need, when we talk about VO2 max intervals, and, and I'm imagining that most people listening have heard us speak about it plenty of times, we're looking at, we want to hold 95% of our velocity at VO2 max. So if we go do a treadmill test, for example, um, and our VO2 max pace is 3.32, so 17 k's an hour, take off 5%, you need to hold 3.43. That needs to be your minimum pace to hit a 95% velocity of VO2 max. And the reason, basically what that's saying is that, all right, if you go out and run at 95% velocity at VO2 max, that is going to be the equivalent energy demand or equivalent oxygen demand of 95% VO2 max. And that is the minimum stimulus that we need for these, for these efforts. So to stimulate the mitochondria in this specific example, to stimulate bi uh, mitochondrial biogenesis. Um, so the heart rate is an input measure and pace is the output measure. So a lot of people's heart rate will be high. That's, that, that's, that's fine. But we, we don't use the heart rate because if you think about it, you're at rest and then you go and, and you start your 95% your interval. Your heart rate's not going to go straight up to whatever it is, 180 beats, 190 beats straight away. There's a lag period whilst our ventilation, and our acute responses, all that sort of stuff increases with that. So heart rate is not a good measure of this. Uh, and even so, like let's say you're, you know, you're two minutes into a three-minute interval and your heart rate's in what your VO2 max zone would be. There's, there's lots of reasons um, why it can be high. It could be just you're still in, a, in an oxygen deficit. You're still increasing your acute responses because... In theory, you should be because you're above your threshold. You should never get to a steady state heart rate in a VO2 interval because you're constantly above your threshold. Um, particularly on the back end, you could be talking about dehydration. On the back end, you could talk about oxygen debt, like you're not recovering from each interval. So your heart rate in the recovery phase is elevated anyway. So at the start, maybe your heart rate's 100. And then by the fifth interval, your resting heart rate, when you go again, is still already at 140. So uh, it's going to take less and less time for your heart rate to get up to the VO2 zone. But the point is that the heart rate is only an indicator of intensity. Um, we, we want you to hit 95% of your VO2 max, okay? So even if your heart rate's up there, let's say you can hold four-minute K pace. Well, we know that in a, in a VO2 max treadmill test that you don't hit 95% of your oxygen consumption until 343. So if you're not hitting 343, I don't care what your heart rate is, you're not going to yep. be hitting a 95% of your oxygen, of your maximal oxygen consumption. If you're at four-minute K, it's probably going to be like, I don't know, 88, 89%. So what we're saying is that these intervals are all, all about quality and not quantity. We need to hit, we only need to hit 10 minutes of time in that 95% zone, but that takes about 12 to 20 minutes because it takes time for our oxygen consumption to hit the level, then we hold it, then we recover, and it takes time to go back up again in the next interval. 
So it's not from a, well, we don't say to stop from an injury perspective. Um, we don't say to stop from a, a blood pH perspective. We just want to keep that one for one work to rest ratio. That'll sort itself out from a pH perspective. It's purely because um, heart rate is, is variable depending on lots of things, dehydration, um, when does it plateau? What is the current size of your heart? There's lots of things that are going to change what your heart rate is, how recovered you are, so on and so forth. It is purely about hitting 95% of our VO2 max, which the best indicator of that is hitting the pace that we would normally hit 95% VO2 max at. So if you can't hold that pace, um, then you're better off just stopping. If that's two minutes into the interval, then just stop. Have an have a extended recovery, get back to... Not, not complete rest, but have a proper recovery and then hit that effort again. And you, it's all about just getting 10 minutes of time at that 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 um, 95% VO2 max, which is the equivalent effort time of 12 to 20 minutes. Uh, anything to add? Well, I think I think a, a probably a big sort of reason for this, and we talk about with athletes a lot, is you don't necessarily have to go and do, and we talk about it, two to four minute intervals in length, one to one work to rest, 12 to 20 minutes of working time. You don't have to go out and just do three-minute intervals. You can mix up the session and do do a bunch. So one way that I like to prescribe to prevent this is by doing descending intervals. So start with maybe one. Like if you're doing 15 minutes of working time, for example, you might do three minutes on, three minutes off. You do that twice and then two and a half minutes on, two and a half minutes off twice and finish with two-minute intervals. Because by the end of the session, yeah, you're going to be a bit fatigued as you go throughout the session. We expect a little bit of fatigue to start to come in. I mean, one-to-one's not going to prevent... 100% of the fatigue, but it's going to help maintain the intensity as best we can. But if you're doing some shorter intervals at the end and able to keep the pace up as a result of doing a two-minute interval um, to get your 15 minutes of working time total, rather than you doing five three-minute efforts and by four and five, you have to go, oh, I can only get to two minutes in anyway. It's just a different way of breaking down the session to get the same overall result, but um, we've just distributed it in a slightly different way. So that can be a good, good session I like to throw in to prevent a bit of that drop off by the back end. Um, Cause yeah, you don't have to go and do five by three minutes and it has to all be three minute efforts every session or every session has to be two minute efforts, four minute efforts, whatever it is. You can mix them up, do some pyramids. You can do descending intervals. You can alternate intervals, whatever you, you like to do. As long as it fits all of those VO2 interval guidelines that we've spoken about a number of times before, um, that might also help prevent a bit of that drop off. Because like I said, it's, it's always easier to then go, all right, I can keep the pace up for two minutes, but I only have to do it for two minutes as opposed to the start of the session. I was having to do it for three. Um, might be just a, if anything, psychological way to get around it as well. Yeah, I think I think there's three, two, two key points here. Is that it's on a continuum. We say 95%. Um, I say we could do 30 on, 30 off, but 110, 120%. I'll yeah. come to that in a sec. But it's a continuum. It's like if you drop, let's say, you know, you're supposed to hold 343 pace and oh, you drop to 350 or 355 pace, but your heart rate's up there. It's not going to be a wasteful session. Don't get us wrong. But it's all about getting maximum benefit for minimum training load. Um, Going harder is not better. So, like, if you're, you know, if, you, if your true 95% pace is 3.43, you're not going to get extra benefit by going 3.20 for the first two intervals and blowing yourself up and then having to drop down to a 3.40 and then a 3.50, so on and so forth. Just consistently holding that 95%, making sure that is a true 95% because your fitness could change week to week. Um, so, going a little bit harder sometimes is a good idea just in case you do get a little bit fitter. Um, so, it is on a continuum. And, and look... At a really simplistic level, if we're looking at, say, using 95% velocity VO2 max as the guide, nobody's able to... That's above everybody's threshold. You might have 1% of people that can actually hold 95% at their threshold. So what I'm saying is that you shouldn't be able to hold this for a prolonged period. Yes, we could talk about blood pH and we could talk about stuff like that, but at a real simplistic level, 
Um, you want the efforts to be hard, nine, nine and a half out of 10. It needs to be faster than you can maintain for like a 20 minute effort. Um, and then you, you know, we, we recommend a one-to-one -one recovery. That's just with your basic two-on-two -two off, three-on-three -three off, four-on-four -four off. Um, but we're just, all we're trying to do is try to hold that, basically accumulate at a simplistic level, you know, 12 to 20 minutes of time at 343 pace or above, if you're looking at that being your 95%. So you can do 30 on 30 offs, which we often do. The reason the 30 offs is a float recovery. So it could be, so it'd be not, so let's say, for example, it might be you're holding 343 pace, which is in this example, the 95%, and your 30 second recovery would be at about 50% VO2 max, which uh, whatever, it's a slow jog, six minute Ks, whatever it is. But in this example, we actually want to keep the heart rate and the VO2 a little bit elevated because if you go, if you do a walking rest for 30 seconds, you're not going to get back up to that 95% in that 30 seconds, right? You might go, you know, you probably get to 80% walk, 82%, 84%. It's going to take you, buddy, 10, 15 intervals yeah. to actually get to 95%. So that's when you can play around with a float recovery just to add some variety more than anything. Um, but our default is to start off with, if you're new to it, two, three or four minute efforts, one to one, work the rest and the rest is just a walk, making sure you hold that minimum of 95%. Um, but then, as you said there, we can we can do descending intervals, ascending intervals, we can do 30 second efforts, you can do one. There's lots of things you can do, but the key in this is that you have to hit the right intensity, the 95% as a minimum, as a, as a baseline. Um, so more recovery is going to be better than less recovery if you're struggling to hold that. Um, I think where most people go, you know, they do like the, the 1K repeats with the one minute rest. And, and sure enough, you know, yeah, you can hold good pace with the first effort, the second effort maybe, then you start to drop off and you can't hold that effort. Even though your heart rate's up there, the, 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 the pace is dropping off. And that's when, you know, the, the acidosis, and we're really going from a VO2 focus of zone four to a, to a threshold zone three focus, which has still a very, very effective session, but a totally different goal. VO2 efforts are you know, mitochondrial biogenesis, increase the engine, get your VO2 max up, whereas your, your, your threshold session is very much being able to uh, improve that, that threshold. So if you're currently holding, you know, maybe you can hold 80% of VO2 max at threshold, we're trying to push that to 90%. So very, very effective session, but two totally opposite goals. Um, but it all works on a continuum. I think that's also where a lot of athletes get a bit con maybe confused sometimes is if you've got, if you're that athlete who might be able to sit their thresholds at, 93 94% of their VO2 max you go and do a 1k repeat session at whatever whatever pace it may be you can go and do 1k repeats at 345 pace but 340 pace is really your, your VO2 max interval um, it doesn't seem like it's too much of a different session and a lot of athletes probably be like yeah well I go and do two minutes of walking and like this is way too easy I'm not working anywhere near as hard it, it's we've got to get out of that mindset of well, it, it's trying to provide a different stimulus. So there is a reason for the rest and there's a reason for why we boost the pace up um, compared to that 1K repeat session. That's, that's where we have to make that differentiating factor. Um, it may not be a big difference in terms of pace or speed, depending on the type of athlete, but it is probably going to be faster. And that's why we need the extra recovery to maintain the quality of the effort. Um, you might be able to sit on 345 pace for your 1K repeats with a short recovery, but we're actually asking you in a VO2 session to sit on just quicker than 340 pace. And it might only be that little bit of a difference that then causes you to struggle a little bit. So um, making sure we get that quality right is the, is the key to it. Yeah. And I think what might, what, what might benefit the listeners now is just sort of very briefly going into how might a, a mitochondrial biogenesis actually occurs. Um, and there's basically, and feel free to jump in that there's two pathways 
in which we can, two, two primary pathways where we can improve mitochondrial biogenesis. You've got the calcium pathway, which is basically just doing your long, slow, just repeated contractions for a prolonged period. And there's, I'm just trying to look at it now. now it's called the AMPK kinase, isn't it? AMP kinase pathway, which is high intensity efforts. And we know that from the research that 95% velocity VO2 max is at minimum stimulus. So not the difference between 90% and 90%, 5% might not sound like a lot, but the difference is this AMP kinase, uh, this mitochondrial biogenesis enzyme will not function properly or, or will not stimulate us to, to grow more mitochondria unless we hit that, that threshold of, of 95% or above. So um, there's two pathways. There's long, slow, easy, and there's that really high intensity stuff. And that's why in that, in that base phase, we prescribe both. Um, because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is increase capillaries and increase myoglobin, increase mitochondria and increase our aerobic adaptations. And there's two ways to do it rather than the, the old style traditional of just doing your base stuff. Uh, you can do it through high intensity as well. So I guess uh, a, a lot of discussion that we've just sort of gone into there, but at the end of the day, it's, it it's comes down to your biology and, and the enzymes at work. And, and to, we want mitochondria for a VO2 session and we need to hit 95% for those enzymes yeah. to, to work their magic. Yeah, absolutely. We need to, we need to, we need enough of intensity to get that stimulus of both pathways. Why, if we look at a map of physiology, I know we've broken down very simply. There's two pathways coming into the to stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis, but if that's a, the map of our biology, our physiology, why not use both both channels to then develop that end outcome? Um, makes sense to then go. All right, how do we specifically target this this second opportunity to get growth in the mitochondria to be fitter, faster, better at using oxygen, etc. Um, fun little side side note on the AMPK side of things. That's the inhibiting factor as well in endurance athletes putting on too much muscle mass when they do strength training in the gym. Um, so by stimulating that by doing high intensity sessions, that's also going to help you not put on this unnecessary size that we often we often sort of hear about. So that's going to really block that that big over um, big growth in in muscle mass, um, if you are going down that path as well of doing some strength training, which we know a lot of athletes are doing at the moment, um, doing some of the high intensity is going to have a bit of a side effect there too. So yes, we're getting a good aerobic benefit to the mitochondrial biogenesis, but we're also helping that inhibition of putting on too much size. There's a big fear of, of athletes doing a bit of strength training as well as some of their endurance training. So I just thought I'd add that in because it's, it's one of the key, key pathways to, to sort of blocking that hypertrophy process too. Maybe just as a way of, 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 um, of finishing up, I know you, you're doing quite a lot of videos on some of the stuff that you're learning uh, at the moment. Um, and I think I haven't watched that video that you just referred to then, but it, it looks interesting. Where can people find out about this, this resistance training and why, why endurance athletes won't put on muscle mass? Where can we find that uh, for those that are interested? Yeah, so I might, um, I might link it up in the, the Mets Mastermind um, and we'll, we'll make it available. I'll put the link maybe in the, the description under, under the podcast episode as well. But basically, I've started up a bit of a YouTube channel to talk about some of these topics um, a little bit more in depth just with some of the content that we're, we're doing with the Masters at the moment, sort of rolling along nicely. And yeah, basically, that video summarised the, the reasoning why endurance athletes can't put on muscle mass um, from doing strength training. And, and essentially, it comes down to you're getting this this AMPK stimulus that is causing mitochondrial biogenesis or this good aerobic benefit. Um, that's then inhibiting the, the the muscle building side of things to to prevent us from getting getting big in the first place. Um, basically, sort of blocks that process. But also, we're just doing a lot of a lot of endurance work. It's polar opposite ends of the spectrum. There's if you want to build build muscle mass, and if you look at the, the typical bodybuilder, I referred to it in the video. It's you look at the typical bodybuilder. It's well, how much running and I guess cardio work for better better use of terms. 
are they actually doing? It's very minimal. Like you barely ever see them go for a run or, or jump on a bike. It's why? Because their focus is trying to build muscle size. And you look at an endurance athlete, it's like, well, what is our primary focus? Our primary focus is to go fast for a long period of time on a bike, run, row, swim, whatever your sport is. Might have two sessions in the gym a week. That's not anywhere near enough stimulus to overcome this massive blocking mechanism that we've got from the endurance side of things. So that's where that's where that video really just sort of breaks it down. So yeah, the, all you have to do is just search my name on on YouTube. So Nick Jankowski on YouTube. It should come up, um, and I'll link it in. Um, the podcast below in the notes um, and also chuck it up on the Mets mastermind. So you can check it out, but um, yeah, just a simple way of breaking down that, I guess that myth of, of athletes putting on too much size and resulting in strength training as well as their endurance sort of yeah. inter, interlinked with our endurance training. Yeah. And it, and it makes total sense. You know, you've got a- anabolic versus catabolic and, and we're generally catabolic beings as we're doing endurance training all the time versus, as you said, that the guys in the gym that are constantly doing anabolic stuff and just building, building, building. So um, in summary of the day, uh, check it, check the, the notes below. Nick will link that video for anyone interested in that. Um, but at the end of the day, when we talk about our VO2 specific intervals, we are trying to stimulate mitochondrial biogenesis. We need that 95% VO2 max stimulus. Heart rate is only an indicator of intensity, but it is, it is affected by lots of other things. So if you are not holding that 95% pace, we then know you're not holding that 95% oxygen, something that we need. Uh, so you are much better off accumulating time at or above that 95% velocity at VO2 max rather than looking at your heart rate. So if you are fatigued, if you're slowing down, take a rest, increase your recovery, go again, try to get 12 to 20 minutes of effort time in there, which will work out to be about that 10 minute stimulus of, of true time at VO2 max that we need for that mitochondrial biogenesis. Hopefully you found that useful and we'll speak to you in the next episode.